Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Morning, friends. Our Bible reading today is from Habakkuk chapter 1, uh, verse 1 to chapter 2, verse 1. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralysed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honour. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Hear the word of the Lord. How long, O Lord? How long, Lord? How long, Lord? Lord? 
How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Hear the agony of the prophet, not in his public preaching, but in his private praying. Hear this scream of frustration, pain, anger. He calls for help, but God does not listen. He cries out, but God does not save. Why? 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 Hear the agony of the prophet, not in his public preaching, but in his private praying. This scream of frustration, pain and anger, why? Do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? You might well have cried out to God in your own frustration with God. How long? Why? I have. But Habakkuk cries out not because of his public role as a prophet, a preacher, a leader. He cries out because of his public role as a prophet, a preacher, a leader. He is leading people who will not be led from wickedness to godliness. Have you ever prayed long enough to God to cry out, how long must I call? Imagine and feel his despair and frustration. Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. One day you will call out to God, how long, why, if you gain God's great passion for the welfare, godliness and obedience of his people. And that passion of God is found on every page in the Bible. Will you share God's passion and God's frustration? This is the great cost of ministry, of leadership, this vivid and unending and painful awareness of the great gap between the call of God and the reality of his people. How long, Lord, and why do you make me look at it? A few weeks ago, I was talking with a lady who worked as an administrator in her evangelical church. She gave up unable to cope with the constant complaints of the members of the church and their rudeness and selfishness. Or think of the general stories of selfishness in churches, happy to be a club for members, 
but not living for God and not living for others. How long will our churches be prayerless? How long will we endure heresy? How long will we endure countless stories of abuse in churches of all brands? How easy it is to lower the standard or blind ourselves to the sin to avoid the pain. But the true prophet of God, the true man of God, the true woman of God must feel the pain. How long? Why? Does God subject Habakkuk and all his servants to this pain, this frustration? It is, as we find in 2 Chronicles, the human cost of God's patience. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. So he brought up against them the king of the Babylonians who killed their young men with the sword in the sanctuary, did not spare young men or young women, the elderly or the infirm. God gave them all into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And Habakkuk's how long, of course, echoes God's own. How long must I put up with these people? And Habakkuk's cry of despair echoes Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. How often I would have gathered you to myself, but you would not. The Babylonians were raised up by God dramatically. They captured the great powers of the day one after the other. Assyria 614 BC, Nineveh 612, Egypt 605, and then inevitably Jerusalem and Judah in a moment. Here is the Lord's answer. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth and seize dwellings not their own. They're a feared and dreaded people. They're a law to themselves. They promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly, fly at night like eagles work, working to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like the desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings, scoff at rulers. They laugh at fortified cities. They sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose strength is their God. God is rubbing Habakkuk's nose 
in the wickedness of the Babylonians. Well, with a message like that, you might have imagined that Habakkuk went to his next home group meeting with the cheerful announcement that he had just had a wonderful answer to prayer. Why do we think that all answers to prayer will make us happy? He gets the message, Lord, are you not from everlasting? Verse 12, my God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Yes, he knows exactly what God is doing. He's got the message, but he doesn't approve. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Indeed, how can a pure God use evil people without getting his own hands dirty? Well, soon after I was converted, someone gave me a small card with these, these words on it. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, Habakkuk 1.13. And it was meant to make me fear doing evil because I would offend God's pure eyes. It was a great shock when I first studied Habakkuk and realized what those words meant in that context. The prophet is complaining about what is God is about to do to use evil people for his purposes. Of course, if God's eyes are too pure to look on evil, he won't be keeping a close eye on us, will he? And if God's eyes are too pure to look on evil, how will he cope with all the evil in the world and ever defeat it? Pure God is not much use in an impure world unless he is willing to get his hands dirty. Back to the prophet Habakkuk, who, perhaps inspired by the Lord's commanding imagery, about the power of the Babylonians, replies with his own vivid imagery of their well-known wickedness. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You've made people like the fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks he catches them in his net, he gathers them in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Well, that's just what the Babylonians were like. One of their less charming habits was using hooks inserted in the lower lips of their captives to keep them under control. They were vicious. And for good measure, Habakkuk reminds God, idolaters. 
Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? There's a certain robustness about Habakkuk. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. Well, dear friends, what has all this to do with us? Simply this. Every time we pray, our Father in heaven, sanctify your name, bring your kingdom, do your will, we are asking God to act in judgment or in mercy on our world and on our church to bring people to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Every time we pray, come Lord Jesus, we are praying for the return of Jesus, our wonderful saviour and fearful judge. For only the blood of the lamb will save us from the wrath of the lamb. We are asking God to do whatever it takes to make Christ known in the world and to purify his people, whatever the cost. It's a bit like saying to God, please do whatever it takes to sanctify me. In words from later in Habakkuk, we might well join in his prayer to God. In your wrath, remember your mercy. And this as well. The cost of leadership in the church, the cost of teaching, preaching, mentoring and praying, long-term leadership, long-term teaching, long-term preaching, long-term mentoring, long-term praying, is to live with the painful and exhausting gap between what God expects and how ordinary people like ourselves live. A pain which is God's pain as well. I suppose it's some comfort that God himself lives with an even more vivid awareness of this gap between our lives and his will. And loves us and has compassion on us and constantly forgives us and constantly cleanses us.
God calls all of us to constant and long-term prayer and long-term ministry to his people. And he calls us to pay the price for his patience and persistence with his people, bought with the blood of his own son and indwelt by his Holy Spirit. How long God's pain becomes our pain as well. In his mercy and in his patience with us, with his church and his world. Would you stand, please, as we praise our gracious God. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Great and marvellous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed.